oftentimes those those kind of reactions they're emotional uh, and and it's completely understandable but it's also really hard to walk that back if you had someone who's a little bit removed um can can sit back and take a look at the at the forest instead of the individual trees uh you get a better idea of just where the forest is in the first place Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. We invite you to join us as we explore an industry that is always evolving with new products, new designs, new practices, and new technologies. Each episode of Construction Disruption meets with forward thinkers from the design and construction industry, as well as a few other in-the-know folks who are here to share their unique insights. Construction Disruption is created and sponsored by Isaiah Industries, a manufacturer of specialty metal roofing systems and other building materials. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, and our co-host is our sales manager, Seth Eckerman. Creative Director Ryan, his face rings a bell, Ryan Bell, and content creator Ethan, not as young as he used to be, Ethan Young, are our behind-the-scenes production team. So, Seth, how are things going? Going well. A lot of people don't realize this, but Seth and I actually do share an office. So I get to look over at him all the time and see what he's up to. He's over there usually with a Cheshire grin that makes me very nervous. And I'm usually over there trying to hold in some form of gassiness, which is a gift as an old man. (laughs) This is something that happens. Um, Anyway, I was thinking about you the other day, Seth, and, you know, you need to up your dad joke game. Um, Seth actually is is a father twice over now, has a couple of young ones. Yep, yep, F- two feet in at this point. But obviously, you're very proficient with your dad jokes based upon our introductions to this episode uh, today. <laughs> well, that's true. But anyway, we need to up your game. So I am going to share a couple of dad jokes, and you can add these to your repertoire. You can share them at church this weekend or wherever you may right, be. Okay? So don't forget these. So. Um, air to inflate your tires. Air used to be free at the gas station. I don't know if you've noticed. Now it's a dollar fifty. Do you know why? I do not. Inflation. <laughs> okay, that's dad joke number one down. Number two. Oh, did you hear about the new restaurant that they've put on the moon? It has great food. No atmosphere though. <laughs> okay, ba bump bump. You didn't give me that anyway. <laughs> Hey, um, thank you all for joining us. One of the things I really enjoy doing here on Construction Disruption is occasionally shaking things up a bit uh, with guests who are not directly from the design or construction industry. Um, These outsiders, I find, often have perspectives, and they bring us ideas that are very inspirational, educational, and motivational. And, And I think that oftentimes the real disruption within any solid and state industry comes from outsiders. And uh, so today's guest is one of those uh, that you might perceive sort of as an outsider to our industry. And I feel very fortunate to have him here on Construction Disruption. Uh, His name is Jeff Chatterton. He hails from Kitchener, Ontario. Um, Jeff is a crisis communication expert and a public relations specialist. 
his company is called Checkmate Public Affairs, and uh, he actually got his start uh, in the world um, in journalism over 25 years ago, and, and Jeff now works with clients of all levels and types, um, helping them to calm, upset stakeholders, helping them to build trust, tell the truth in difficult times, and end negative headlines in order to erase bad publicity. Um, Some of the fields that Jeff has worked with um, are pretty high-stakes areas, um, areas like aviation, public entertainment venues, and other attractions, and also the travel and hospitality industries. Um, But he's also worked some with contractors and some in the construction industry as well. Um, And as a teaser, uh, he also helps teach his construction clients um, actually how to reduce their operating costs. And uh, we're going to touch on that as well. So I think he's going to have some great information here for anyone that's in the construction field that um, will even give us some ideas that we can put into play immediately in our businesses to have uh, more successful businesses. businesses. So, uh, Jeff, um, thank you very much for joining us today. It's awesome to be here. Great. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, so, so Jeff, it seems to me that if someone is really going to be a disruptor in the construction or the design industry, um, they also have to be a survivor. And, and, you know, Seth and I see that all the time. We see people come into our industry and they, for various reasons, they're not survivors, and, and we'll see them uh, pass within a couple, three years. So um, the last couple of years, I think in particular, as um, we've navigated a, a global pandemic, um, but we've also ended up now with this thing in the construction industry and remodeling industry where we have all this surging demand. Um, and, of course, now we also are facing the biggest supply chain problems I've certainly seen in my 40-year career. I mean, never seen anything like it. Um, so I, I think that that hits home all the more with how do, how do companies survive this. So um, I'm anxious to hear you talk more today, but, but if you could kind of start out telling our listeners and our viewers a little bit um, about what you do on a daily basis, Jeff, and uh, would you say that surviving and thriving are things that you are committed to helping companies and your clients in particular do and 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 not just surviving and thriving but almost um i call it falling up uh the falling the falling is happening all over the place um i mean can you imagine it back in march 2020 if anyone could have predicted what happened to like the price of lumber Yes. Um, I mean, it's it's insane what's been going on out there, and uh, the uh, good luck trying to keep your employees. Um, I, I, every employer I know is desperately running around trying to actually hold on to any sort of skilled labor, um, and and that means that you have uh, your your suppliers who are you know, giving you, you know probably fictional dates on delivery. You have uh, customers who are expecting to be able to move into their new home or their new building or anything along those lines. And, and they're getting frustrated and they're getting frustrated with you. Um, and then to add it all up, there's no such thing as private moments anymore. The, 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 the times when you, you lose your temper and you, you call 
someone a bad name now get broadcast all over YouTube. Um, the, uh, the, the, the minor, you know, construction accident that everyone kind of, you know, brushes off and goes, well, let's not do that again. Uh, now it becomes, um, you know, front page news or the, the labor department ends up investigating because someone uploaded a video that you weren't even aware was on the job site. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, it, it, we're, we're in a very different world these days. Yeah, we really are. And those are those are some great points. So, um, I mean, you kind of already gave us a taste of it, but, you know, <laughs> the work that you're doing and, and the fact that you started in journalism and now you've ended up in this very what I would call specialized niche of crisis management. Um, what really fascinates you about the work that you're doing and um, what kind of really drove you to go into what I see as a pretty specialized uh, area for your career? Yeah, I think the standard dad joke on how did you get into crisis communications is by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best one yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's not even close to the, the best one. I was actually looking out my window just now and realizing because uh, it's at the time we're recording this, it's November. And so I'm up in Canada and the geese are flying away. And, and you know how they have the, you know, they fly in a yeah. V, right? And yes. you know why they fly in a V? It's um, better aerodynamics. You have one geese, at, one goose at the front that, um, that, that kind of takes on the lead and everyone kind of tucks into the slipstream behind. But did you know why there are more geese on one side than the other? No, tell us. So the there's a scientific reason. The reason there are more goose, more geeses, more geese on <laughs> on one side of the V than the other is the one side. One the reason one side is longer than the other is because there are more geese in them. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> okay, I'm, I'm a professional dad jokes. I had heard that one before, yeah, but yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to spoil it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think I did. Uh, the um, how, why do you get into why do you get into crisis? You get into crisis PR because aside from the the really lousy dad jokes, you find people who need help. Uh, it really is that simple. Um, I was watching differing uh, different scenarios in different cases, and and um, I, I can give you example after example after example of people who were in a really awkward situation that oftentimes is not their fault. Um, you know, bad things happen to really good organizations. And I was watching them handle it poorly um, because they don't, they don't, it's, it's impossible to do this on your own. When you're, when you get caught with the, the cameras are on and people are paying attention and, and the, it's loud and it's noisy and it's chaotic and people are asking questions and your employees are looking to you for information and the reporters are looking to you for information and politicians are looking to you for information and you don't have all the answers. It's scary. It's, it's chaotic and it's a mess. And, um, over, over the years, uh, whether I was in politics or whether I was in journalism, uh, I found a few kind of unique characteristics of companies that actually bounced back and became even stronger as a result. And I saw a lot of companies that failed spectacularly and eventually uh, ended up 
if if not bankrupt, the uh, the 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 CEO would be fired, or or other you know they would lose massive contracts. And um, I was like, you know what? Um, I, I kind of owe it to the world to make sure that that happens less and less, and that we can see more and more cases of uh, organizations that are set up to fail spectacularly well. Because it seems like in today's world, it's inevitable. So being mindful that regardless of whatever size organization we are, whatever level of leadership, that we're going to have to deal with these chaotic moments and these stressful moments. And It's it's absolutely. No one likes talking about it. No one likes thinking about it. And because you don't like thinking about it, a lot of people don't prep for them. And, and honestly, you know, prepping is, is one of those uh, consultant uh, talk, uh, BS plays that's, oh, you need a crisis communications plan. Really, it's just the way for the consultant to make a ton of money. Um, and, and, and I think smart CEOs and smart corporate leaders have recognized that. Um, that being said, you, you need to have some, some structure and some organization and, and, and a way of dealing with the crappy moments when they occur in your life. So when you're coming alongside um, an organization and a leader in that moment of chaos, I, I imagine that part of the first step is calming the leader it, themselves before they can then start leading through it and call, you know, um, you know, resolving that chaos around them. So I'd, I'd love to hear how you come alongside that individual and what your best practices are for uh, inducing that calm. And then what other, you know, what are What's the first step? What's the the first go to to uh, on a track for making that a spectacular uh, failing rather than a, a dire failing? Well, and I think you nailed it. It's not it's not about what is happening. It's about how the, what is happening is making that leader feel because it is scary. It is chaotic. It is messy. It, it, people do feel victimized. Um. So, and every. <laughs> Every individual is unique. Um, sometimes you can just kind of take them in a quiet room and and have a few deep breaths and go, okay, let's take a let's take a look at what's really going on here. Um, it, sometimes you know they need a pep talk. Sometimes they, uh, you know, it's it's sometimes my job is amateur psychologist, um, and that's fine. That's that's absolutely what it involves. But the really powerful part about that. It was when the 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 leader, the the business owner, the CEO, the 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 person who's feeling that recognizes this is how the audience feels because they're scared, they're coming to inform for information, they're coming to um, to to the company for an idea of what's going on or whether or not they're they're their um, loved ones are safe or whether the homes will be built on time or, or whatever else is going on. And it's not ever about the facts. It's about the, the emotions around those facts. I I work with a lot of major public venues. Um, The Staples center in Los Angeles is a client of mine. I have uh, the last I counted, there were 15 NBA or NHL teams that worked in one of my venues. Wow. Um, and, I, and I sit and I tell the general managers when I do training with them, look, if a, if a meteorite comes out of the sky and smokes the South Grandstand and completely destroys it, do you have a crisis? 
And people go, oh, absolutely, that's horrible. And I say, okay, now, what if a meteorite comes out of the sky, smokes the South Grandstand, blows it to smithereens, everyone stands around and cheers wildly? Do you have a crisis? And they look at you and they're like, what? And it's like, no, you don't have a crisis anymore. You have a massive unplanned renovation. <laughs> it's only a crisis if people are that the people that you care about are upset with you. Interesting. And once people recognize that this is not a fact game, this is not a data game. It's you know, you know, you can come out and say all you want about supply lines. You can come out and say all you want about labor rates or anything else. Like it, that's a data point. That's a fact. Facts don't matter. Once you recognize this is about emotions then they start to recognize what they have to do in order to actually win at this thing. So that's, it's fun when you can get that breakthrough and, and actually start to communicate with people as people and not as data points. Well, and then that makes sense why you say that all the planning in the world and the action plans and, and all the prepper, preparation, you know, there can be some value in that, but it's uh, the value is relatively, uh, you know, little compared to what you're going to spend on it because it all comes down to your emotional intelligence and self-awareness and awareness of those around you when you're actually in it. Uh, it doesn't matter what the checklist on the piece of paper tells you. I, um, I, 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 you're talking to a guy who's run around and, and made t many, many, many thousands of dollars selling the, the traditional crisis communication plan. You know, that, that book that sits on a binder on some mid-level manager's filing cabinet back in your trailer somewhere, you know, the, the crisis communications plan. And, uh, um, there, we, we finally stopped. We, we gave up, uh, they're, they're useless to the client. Um, we, um, you, you go find me one, go find me a single crisis plan that was written prior to March, 2020 that could have possibly predicted the impacts of the coronavirus. Right. Biggest economic disruption since world war two it's 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 impossible um there there are basic things that you can kind of prep on i would argue that if you're a, a an on-site construction leader and you don't know what you're going to do in the event of a workplace injury uh or a workplace god forbid a workplace fatality or or anything along those lines that um the crisis is not the the, the unfortunate injury, the crisis is that you got to be in that position in the first place. Um, that's, that's not, that's not a crisis. That's called Tuesday. Um, if uh, you, you need to be better than that is, is what I'm saying. But, um, the, what we, what we did at, at uh, checkmate, we, we gave up, we went to all of our clients and said, look, I understand you've come to us. You want us to put together a crisis communications plan. Honestly, we don't think that's the right move for you. What if we did this? What if we give you a phone number? That phone number is going to get answered 24 7, 365. It uh, doesn't matter if you call us at three in the morning on a Christmas day. Someone is going to, uh, they know you. They will know your media market. They're going to know your industry. They're going to know your, your issues and, and what's going on. They're going to tell you exactly what to do and what to do next. God forbid you still need our help. Uh, we will be on the next flight over and uh, we will be there 
for the next two weeks and it's all included. It's all one flat rate. And by the way, it's going to be cheaper than what a crisis communications plan wow. can cost you. Um, and, and overwhelmingly our clients are like, yeah, that makes way more sense. More sense. Hmm. Right. Um, it's, it's, uh, the, the analogy we use is, um, every, every jumbo jet comes with an operations manual. That manual is important, but trying to, um, communicate in a crisis is like landing that jumbo jet, um, as a 14 year old without any pilot training using only the operations manual. Like you, you wouldn't want to do it. That's a bad idea. Bad things are going to happen. Right. And, uh, it, it just makes way more sense to our clients. We make less money on it, but it's, it's, it's just better. It's better, better results for the clients. Makes a lot of sense. I, I know as I was reading up on you and um, reading some of the case studies and things that you have on your website and different places I was seeing, one of the things that really struck me was, you know, how often the the real person at risk in your clients is that CEO, that, that one who has to make the response. And, you know, some of these things can be career ending for them. And, you know, one of the things I thought about that I know I've said a lot of times in my life, I, I get so frustrated where you see something happen and you touched on it with the pandemic that no one ever envisioned happening. And someone has in the heat of the moment, maybe not the best response to it. And, you know, I'm always like, how can you skewer them for responding poorly to something that was unfathomable? But yet that's what the media, that's what our culture, that's what social media does today is it was it will absolutely skewer folks. And uh, so I, I love what you're saying. Have that someone there to come alongside folks and say, hey, immediately, if this happens, let's figure out how we're going to respond and what we're going to do. And Oftentimes, those those kind of reactions, they're emotional uh, and, and it's completely understandable. But um, but it's also really hard to walk that back. Uh, and, and if you had someone who's a little bit removed, um, can, can sit back and take a look at the, at the forest instead of the individual trees, uh, you get a better idea of just where the forest is in the first place. So, so this is a question that you don't have a clue that I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to ask you. So, so, you know, one of the things I think about is when the planes crashed into the towers on 9-11, um, and George W. Bush was down reading to a bunch of school children in Florida, and they came and whispered in his ear, I think I have the story right, and um, told him what had happened. And, you know, he got concerned, but he kept reading, and a lot of people wanted to skewer him because he kept reading. What would your advice have been to him at that moment? Should he have kept reading at that point? I mean, you know, he knew very little information at that time. I... um. I think everyone has has picked apart nine eleven sixty five thousand different ways. Sure, I remember that. I remember that exact incident. That's an iconic image of him. Yeah. You know, the the aide whispering in his ear and his eyes opening wide. That being said, I still don't believe that they had an idea of the true impact of what was going on. Right. Uh, I think there was concern. Was it a 
Um, was it an air traffic, uh, you know, thing where, where the, the planes were being routed in the wrong direction? Um, you know, was it, uh, was it an isolated one, you know, one particular incident? There was, there was a lot of, of question that, that he didn't have. And, and his point at the time was he didn't want to scare the kids. Sure. Um, hindsight being 2020, at that point, it's it's tough to say what, you know, whether he was in a car or not on the way to the airport would have made any difference whatsoever in terms of uh, impact. Um, it, it's, yeah, in, in hindsight being 2020, if you could have stood up and said, kids, I am having a blast. It's been really great to meet you. Unfortunately, some really scary grown-up stuff, or not even scary because you don't want to scare the kids. Some some bad grown up stuff is happening, so I'm gonna have to go and do some work right now. Um, but thank you so much. And then they vamoose out of there. Yeah, interesting. But but again, I go back to that thing. How can you fault someone for that heat of the moment reaction to something that was unfathomable um, that you know no one would have ever imagined and no one even understood at that time. And, you know, and it, here's here's comes back to my point. 20 years ago, because it was only 20 years ago, right. we, we dealt with the biggest, unthinkable, crazy economic disruption in our entire lifetime. And then 20 years later, we're dealing with the biggest, craziest economic disruption in our lifetime, both of which were completely unpredictable for any normal CEO. That's uh, that much less the the workplace injuries, the accidents, the the minister, you know, Department of Labor investigations, the the OSHA um, queries, the the upset supply, all the the stuff that you routinely deal with. Um, it it uh, to the idea of of a of a static old school written plan that tries to predict the the problems that you're going to face and and what you were going to say is is so flawed that uh it, it just doesn't make any sense yeah. right <laughs> so switching gears a little bit your linkedin profile which uh, i always love reading um says that you're you are helping to create healthy businesses in a post-pandemic world um what's that mean how would you describe a healthy business in general terms and what can that path look like, especially here in a post-pandemic world, for uh, a company to become a healthy business? So, uh, specifically for the construction industry, there were we we, we took a look and and we, there there are two or three things we can help with. Obviously, we uh, we have some communication skills, and and it's and it's I'll be the first to say it's kind of like onion gum. Uh, just because we're really, really good at making onion gum doesn't mean you don't necessarily want to buy it. And that's fine. That's good. Um, but, but it's it's also kind of like that um, the the life preserver on a canoe. Uh, when you when you need it, you really, really want it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's fine. I mean, we understand our role in, in, the, in the you know, no one no one likes talking to the funeral director before you need to. Right. <laughs> Uh, I would argue um, I'm, I'm a little more um, fun to hang out with than the funeral director, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Undoubtedly. <laughs> but then we're also looking at how this all fits together in a big picture problem. And, and, and again, 
I mean, yeah, we're talking crisis communications, but at the end of the day, we're talking solving problems. And and there were two big problems that we 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 kept running into, uh, and that CEOs were were having. They were losing sleep over, um, and and the two massive problems uh, were that um, they were having a really tough time hanging on to skilled labor. Uh, Any time since, uh, really, there was a that that kind of the hiccup in March 2020. People started kind of getting back into the construction industry after all of the the shutdowns and the chaos, and and the entire labor market went to chaos. Um, so that's been a, a ugly situation for folks. Um, and honestly, you don't know what your competitors are paying. Uh, and and that was a really fascinating one for us. We what 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 prompted this one for me? I do a lot of work with uh, like amusement parks, attractions, you know, those sorts of folks, and I run into. Uh, a guy who's delivering um, uh, carbon dioxide, uh, you know, for the the soda machines, sure. uh, the, you know, whether it's pop or soda or whatever you want to call it, depending on what part of the world you're from. Um, and he was telling me he was delivering to three different businesses all in the same strip plaza, and all three of them were paying different pricing. And, and it was like, that's intriguing. So uh, we went and we... This I, I, I love this. We partnered with um, an artificial intelligence big tech company, and they they have a data lake of ten million businesses, and they have the operating expenses for ten million businesses across North America. So what happens at uh, Isaiah? Isaiah comes to us uh, and they say, "Hey Jeff, uh, we we want to talk to you about uh, crisis." Um, our president Todd every now and then says dumb things, and we want to make sure that when he says dumb things, that uh, we don't have to fire him. Um, I'm like, I totally get that. Uh, what are the kind of the dumb things that you expect to run into? And they're like, okay, well, we're going to have some accidents. We're going to have some stuff. We're going to, you know, we have a really awesome metal roofing product, but that means that we're up on roofs and sometimes people fall, whatever the issue is. All right. Okay. So we'll sit, we'll go through, uh, we do, we, we, we train Todd on making sure he doesn't say dumb things. We, you know, we, 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 we have the fun. Um, but then they're like, okay, that's, that's a good idea. We really should do that. Um, but, uh, that's going to be expensive. We don't want to pay the money. And we went, absolutely. We totally get that. What if we could offer it to you at no net cost? And people go, oh, that's intriguing. Tell me more. So you upload your, you know, general ledger. Um, our partners go through, they take a look at all your operating expenses and they go, actually, you're paying 14% more than you should for your telecom. Your utilities are absolutely screwing you over. Uh, the guy who comes in and changes your front door entry mat is actually charging lower prices to three quarters of the neighborhood. Um, all of these sorts of expense savings just for the operations of your business that you, you didn't even realize you had. Um, and then they go through and they do the work. They they spend six hours on hold with AT&T uh, because if you do it, you're going to spend six hours on hold with AT&T only to get told, oh, you're already getting our best rate. Go pound sand. Um, so they, they say, actually, they're not getting the best rate and we have the data. We can prove it. And they go, OK, fine. 
Right. They, 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 they give you lower rates on your phones. You get better rates on your utilities. You get better rates on your front door entry mats or your carbon dioxide machines or the, the least rates on your, on your vehicles, all of these sorts of, of operating expenses. Um, and, uh, and then the best part is they do this for free. Um, they do it as a, they, they, they collect a percentage of what, they find. And so if they don't find you any savings, they don't collect any money, period. It's, it's a completely free service. Um, and then, uh, for, I mean, I had one medium sized construction company. Uh, they were doing about four and a half million dollars a year. So, you know, it's, it's not a one person sure. shop, but they weren't, they weren't massive by any means. Uh, they ran through the, the process. They found, uh, $56,000 in annual savings. Um, and, uh, now it, it, even if they take half, um, that's still $27,000 in 27 and a half thousand dollars in savings. And if you're running a 20% profit margin, that's the equivalent of an extra $120,000 in sales without any labor, without any sales team, without any cost of goods sold. Um, that's, that's pretty massive. So, so we started, you know, running around and offering that, uh, primarily as a way to help pay for our services. So now the company is, um, has done no work. They have a crisis team that's ready to go and in place to help protect their reputation and, uh, you know, all of, all of that sort of stuff. They're making, uh, better spending decisions. And then the third one that we've, uh, we've started to, to run into, uh, was on, um, basically holding on to your employees. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure Isaiah is a fantastic company to work for. You'd have no problem keeping your employees. Um, but a lot of construction companies can't say the same thing. They have a tough time hanging on to their laborers. And so we, uh, we, we, again, partnered with the service completely free for the employer and, uh, they offer all of the employees. Basically it's, it's like a, it's a prepaid visa debit card. And then what happens is they create a system. So when an employee punches out at the end of the day and they've worked eight hours, they get credit for eight hours that moment on their visa debit card. Uh, and so it's same day pay. They get paid every day for the hours that they work, which means that they don't need to worry about uh, getting an advance on their paycheck or going to some of those kind of skeezy paycheck uh, loan check cashing places uh, if they have unexpected you know expenses that pop up. Um, it, it's it's just a completely free service. It doesn't cost the employer anything. Um, it costs the employee. Uh, something like a dollar, dollar and a half, if they if they have to make um, uh, a withdrawal out of the the debit card. If they don't ever use it, it doesn't cost them anything, and all that money just gets transferred back into their regular account. But it's just a uh, um, uh, uh, the employees love it. We've been finding that it actually improves employee retention by around forty percent. Wow! Um, and so here here are two systems uh, that we've been able to implement at our company for our clients um, to um, 
lower their operating expenses and to help hang on to their employees. Um, and, and it comes at net zero cost for the employer. So that's what we talk about when it comes to creating healthy businesses. Wow. That's pretty neat. So, so basically, you know, your, um, business, I mean, you're out there to help people deal with crisis management. And I certainly understand that's probably something most companies are saying, gosh, I don't know that I really need that. Why would I want to pay for it? Because it's something that you don't need until you need, and you don't realize till later how badly you needed it. And so you've developed other value-added things to bring to them, which allow them to help pay um, for the the crisis management component. Is that kind of what I'm understanding then? Yeah, um, that that was the reason we implemented right, it. Right. Um, uh, you know, it depends. I mean, obviously, there are still some people who d- – you know, they, they just like, yeah, let's, let's, you know, hook us up on the expenses side and we'll, we'll come call you if, eh, whatever. We're happy to do that. We're, we're about creating healthy businesses. That's um, very neat. Lord knows uh, we've been dealing with enough challenges in, in the world. If, um, if we can create some healthier businesses, everyone wins. Yeah. Very neat. Well, and I love that because I think any business can think about that. And, and certainly, I mean, I'll go back to what we do. We, you know, we uh, manufacture and sell metal roofing and our contractors who in turn install and sell those metal roofs. I mean, they're oftentimes selling the benefit of energy efficiency and added home value and, you know, all these other things. In the meantime, you know, the property owner is paying for a premium metal roof but they're pointing out all the other value that they're getting in the process. So I, I applaud you on, on taking that approach. That's pretty cool. And kind of a, kind of a great response to a a difficult situation. Um, Kind of going back a little bit um, without proper training and preparedness or that coach to come alongside them and help them. um, What are some of the most common mistakes um, you've seen businesses make when they are faced with a bad situation the um there there are so many uh easy easy things that will get you in far more trouble than they're worth um the uh, the the first one uh is to to respond using facts and data you know someone accuses you of uh um your your employee um accident rate is up, you know, 14%. The worst thing you can do is say, that's not accurate. Our employee accident rate is only up 9%. Mm. Um, because all you've done is open the door to, well, why on earth is it up by 9%? And, and you, there, 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 there are so many, it's not about facts. It's not about data. The fact is people are getting hurt. Um, what are we, what are we going to do to fix that? The, um, the, the most common, uh, I call them message traps or, or message torpedoes is to deny a negative with a negative. Um, what's the most famous political quote in the last 50 years? Uh, read my lips. I don't uh, know. <laughs> I did not have sexual oh, relations with that woman. <laughs> I, I would argue I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. The second most famous uh, political quote in the last fifty years is probably "I am not a crook." Sure. Um, yeah, both you, times. You don't remember that one, Seth? Yeah, a little before my time. <laughs> both times. The the actually it's ironic. Both times, uh, either the the president could have answered with. 
I'm an honest man and I've conducted the office of the presidency with nothing but integrity and honor, which is a really boring answer, but sometimes boring is good. Um, the problem with responding in a negative way is that people don't hear the word not, or they don't hear the don't. All you're doing is repeating the original negative allegation back. If I said, you know, Todd is a sex offender, uh, you're going to do two things. You're going to punch me in the nose and you're going to say, I'm not a sex offender um, because you you have this visceral need sure. to to defend yourself, Correct to, to that, point yeah. out the truth. Um and and it and it and it won't work. You you need a you need a way of responding in a way that um, reminds people who you are, not who you aren't. Uh, so the, it's it's a tricky dance that uh, when when and the, and the problem is there is no no way to practice that dance um, until it's too late. So what role does empathy uh, apply or, or play in that initial reaction, um, you know, helping to understand the situation to whoever is lashing out at you that, or the emotion that they are feeling? What, what role does empathy play in that? So empathy is the secret sauce. It's, it's the, it's not about the, it's <laughs> empathy is um, with, you know, an answer with an empathy is like a Big Mac without beef. Uh, you, you, you can't even try to pull that off. Um, so come up with a scenario, maybe, maybe the, the, the roof that you've sold a client, um, has a flaw. Um, and, and they, the clients are upset. They're they put yourself in the, in the mind of the client. They have paid good money, a lot, you know, a lot of money for a really awesome and premium product. And for whatever reason, it's not working the way it was supposed to. Um, you could come and you could say, oh, yeah, the uh, you know, you're supposed to have nine clips in that point and you only have six. That's the problem. Um, you haven't you haven't solved their problem. You, all you've done is responded with a fact point and a data point. Whereas if you come to the client and you look at the roof and you say, wow, yep, okay. You know what? Uh, I can understand how frustrating this must be for you. Uh, I've uh, I've hired people to to do things in my house, and I know how frustrating it is when things don't work exactly right the first time. Let me tell you exactly what we're going to do in order to make this right for you. Right? It, it, at that point, it doesn't matter whether it was six clips or nine clips. They don't they don't care. It, right. It's about how you make them feel. And more importantly, it's about that you know how they feel. They are trying to communicate with you that they are upset. When you have uh, people yelling at you on the phone, when you have protesters outside your office, when you have uh, uh, reporters gathering in your parking lot, all of that is an exercise in making sure that people know that you know they're upset with you. And if you can, can, can cut that off at the pass with, uh, you know what? I've asked myself those very same questions or, you know what? Uh, I can see that this is really important to you. So let me tell you what we're going to do in order to look into this further. 
Um, it's 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 like I call it fire retardant foam. If you have if you're building a house and one room is on fire, the 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 standard male approach is well we will tell the truth to that room we will go in with hammer and nails and drywall and fix it and i'm like no hang on the room is still on fire you need fire you need a, a fire extinguisher you need to get rid of that energy so spray everything in fire retardant foam get rid of the fire first then and only then can you go in with the hammer and the nails and the drywall and actually fix the damage? Um, it, it empathy is is like fire extinguishers. It, um, it it's what it takes allows everything to go. <sighs> okay, here here's where we're at. Um, without without empathy, um, you're you're just. It would be like uh, you know for those. For those people who live in northern climates, it's like driving in an ice storm using summer tires. You're not going to get anywhere fast. Yeah, good point. So any particular stories come to mind of crisis that, you know, were really badly mishandled and, and ended badly for the business or for individuals? Anything come to mind? My, uh, we were just talking about empathy. Um, and uh, so uh, you remember the... Um, the Deepwater Horizon spill, um, sure. the, uh, the the BP oil spill um, off the coast of Louisiana, down in the Gulf, right? Yep. So their uh, CEO, um, it was a guy named um, Hayward. Uh, he he's he's down in Louisiana. He's actually dealing with um, all of these shrimping boat uh, captains and 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 people who make their livelihoods off being able to access clean water. And you know, we're 50 60 days into this crisis and people are getting frustrated and people are getting upset because they haven't been able to solve the problem yet. And and the media say to to Mr. Hayward, you know, you know they're 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 frustrated with you. I, they they want this situation to be over. And his response was, "No one wants this over more than I do. I want my life back." Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, in in a, in a classic case of sometimes the company will be okay, but the CEO is going to get fired. They couldn't fire him just because he was so high profile. Do you know where he's working now? True story. You know, honestly, do you know where he is assigned to work right now? Do not. Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is working on a Russian oil field development uh, project uh, for BP in the middle of the Russian steppes. Literally. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, and we kind of touched on this earlier, but I mean, just with everything and social media and, and just the world that we live in, um, I take it that you see the stakes getting higher um, in regards to all of this. Is that correct? Or? The, um, I, uh, the, the standard joke, I mean, you used to be able to sit on the toilet and look down at your toenails and go, wow. My toenails are looking pretty gross. I need to be able to clip those things, right? And on occasion, maybe your spouse would go, um, honey, your toenails are looking pretty heinous, right? Today, the world is like, dude, you're gross. You have gross toenails before you even realize it. I mean, it's an, it's an oversimplification. But 
everyone has a camera. Everyone has access to YouTube. Everyone has the ability to, to create um, absolute crap storm before you even wake up. Um, I'm, I'm, there's a, a case right here in my hometown. Um, a business owner owned a local restaurant. Uh, he did, uh, he did some pretty dumb things. There's no, I can't, I can't justify his behavior, but there was a, an autistic gentleman in the restaurant who had a service dog and, and the, uh, the owner was upset with the, the service dog did not believe that it was a legitimate service dog questioned whether or not it was a legitimate service dog. All that did was make the, um, the, the autistic gentleman upset. Um, he starts yelling and, and then they end up like literally dragging him out of the restaurant. The problem with that is that you may be able to get away with that. Uh, and even if you were completely in the wrong and it turns out that, yeah, he was completely wrong. But even if you were completely in the wrong, you apologize to that guy, you offer him free dinners for life and it all goes away. Problem is now um, that goes up on YouTube, uh, and and you run into the the scenario that I've been watching and munching on my popcorn. So this this local family owned restaurant has tens of thousands of comments uh, and is making media headlines in my hometown, not for the fact that he kicked an autistic gentleman out of his restaurant, but for the furor that this is causing on social media. Um, and uh, I would not be shocked if that restaurant, which has been in my community for 50 years, is going to have a new owner by the end of next month, just because, you know... You used to be able to get away with stuff and you can't do it anymore. And if he had managed to come out and say, wow, we totally blew that. We are, we are grievously sorry. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do in order to make things right. We're going to go through some, you know, training. Maybe we're going to make a donation to the autistic dog society. We're going to do some stuff, you know, whatever the, the, the issue was, they're not a client. So I'm, I'm totally speculating. You might've been able to survive. Um, people would go, huh, okay. Mistakes happen, but they had about six hours to do that. They didn't recognize the gravity of the situation they were in. And, and now they're, they're up a Creek. Interesting. Well, you've done a, you've shared a lot of stories and done a great job of bringing in a number of stories from the construction industry. Any others that come to mind for you that, you know, situations you've seen that were construction related that were, um, could have been handled better? Oh, um, yeah. So, so the challenge I'm going to run into, uh, is that I do, I do work with, a, a quite a number of construction clients and, um, I, I, I hesitate to to tell names. Sure, um, absolutely. So I've I've dealt with a fair number of uh, product recalls. Uh, product okay. recalls in construction are awkward and ugly um, because if you have a bad pipe, it's not like you can just send a note out and say, "Hey, we have bad pipes. Uh, yeah, you can very replace them." Reaching. What's that? They're very far reaching. They go way beyond. Oh, you gotta. I mean. You you tell me what's involved in pulling a bad pipe right. out of someone's home, right? I mean that's that's chaos. It's messy. There's paint. There's there's oh oh it's awful. It's awful, awful, awful. Um, 
And so we, we have an incentive to make those issues re get resolved in a way that leaves everyone happy as quickly as possible. Um, and it's not as simple as just, you know, calling up the homeowners or the construction contractors or the, the, and, and offering them a check. It's not ever going to be that easy. You know, what are, what are you going to do in order to make things right? Um, uh, it's, it, and there's also the, uh, the sad and the inevitable, but, uh, um, there are really, really good ways of handling the, the, the workplace accidents or the workplace fatalities, um, that you don't know if you're going to be known to be at fault, um, but you do know, you, you know that 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 worker, you know that worker's family, uh, that that family needs to be notified. Um, how do you how do you notify a family that uh, Brian lost his life that afternoon? All right, the, it's just truly awful, awful situations that no no business owner should ever have to face. Um, that. Uh, Unfortunately, I've been there and, and um, there are good ways of dealing with that. And, and there are, sadly, I've seen firsthand, there are really awful ways of dealing with that. So, Do you think that companies that are very purposeful in terms of being, you know, introspective and, you know, being willing to have that coach come alongside them, um, but just, you know, thinking in terms of how they're going to approach a potential problem, are, are there intangible benefits they receive even beyond, you know, the benefit they'll receive if heaven forbid something does happen and, you know, they have a, an appropriate response are, are there other benefits they receive just from going through that process of being introspective and, and thoughtful? You think about it. What are we talking about? We're not talking about crisis. We're talking about making sure people trust you. Uh, very good. Trust is the, is the engine oil that lubricates the motors of commerce. Um, if, if I really genuinely trust you, I'm not going to question your next quote. If, if I genuinely trust you uh, and you need to delay shipping of a particular product for um, two or three days, I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, I'm going to go, okay, well, you must have a really good reason. Uh, you know, the, um, the, the really overly simplistic example is when I go to my dry cleaner and my dry cleaner knows me, right? I walk in, I, I kind of catch her eye. I leave a big pile of shirts on her counter and she goes, hey, Jeff. Yeah, okay. See you, see you, you know, later in the week. And I walk out. Um, I trust her that she's going to take my shirts and she's going to get them clean. Um, you know, when, when I come back, uh, she goes, hey, yeah, uh, you know, 14 bucks and, and I, I, I give her the money and I walk out. Now that's an easy transaction, but if there wasn't trust, um, I'm going to count every shirt. She's going to count every shirt before she takes them. She's going to inspect every shirt. This, this whole transaction just became, you know, a 20 minute transaction instead of a 30 second transaction. And that costs time that costs right relationships. Now, now that's just on something as mundane as a dry cleaner, you know, Let's let's step that up into something like 
a major renovation or or a new company headquarters being constructed or uh you know a really premium metal roof there's there's a lot of there's a lot of emotional energy that's that's tied up in in a in a product like that it, it, for you it's everyday business for you it's called wednesday um but but for the the client this this there's a lot of of stress and trauma and and energy that's gone into this decision in the first place and if they trust you not only does it make your life better it makes their life better and when you handle the little crises the hey we said we'd be able to deliver that on wednesday it's going to be friday instead but here's here's why and here's what we can do um, when you handle those little tiny mini crises with grace and with dignity, it does far more for your reputation than any amount of sales brochure, any amount of sponsorship, any amount of advertising could ever do. Um, the, the ability to handle the little tiny things well uh, is, is the best indicator of whether or not you're going to survive the big crises. So, so I'm curious, and I think that's interesting. And a lot of times those frontline decisions, if you are, have to be made by your frontline people. And, you know, that may be a, a customer service person that's, you know, $15 an hour. It's not necessarily the CEO. Um, how do you encourage organizations to get that kind of what oftentimes has to be an immediate response. How do they get that to filter down through their entire organization? Is it, is it led from the top and led from example or, or what does that look like? Yeah. Um, it, and, and, and that's a, that's a great point. Um, so every company is different. Every company has unique challenges and circumstances. Um, I, I will tell you about a very specific case that we ran into where um, the, the CEO was legitimately intending on doing well, the um, the the senior management uh, was was doing everything right, uh, but they were still getting upset clients, and they 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 were trying to figure it out. And it turns out, yeah, it was a case of their frontline customer service, the the sales not not the salespeople, but the customer service people on the front lines of the phone call were. We're, we're not, they were, they were over promising and under delivering and they were, they were just not doing a great job. So we went in and put together just a, a, a training program on for the frontline customer service people. How do you deal with upset people? How do you, how do you prevent people from getting upset in the first place? Here are some simple things that you can do that don't cost a dime that make your job easier and make them happier. Um, and then uh, that becomes part of the corporate culture. Um, we started rewarding and incentivizing customer satisfaction and results versus just showing up on time. And, and uh, um, it was basically a company performing under the wrong metrics. Um, frankly, as a business owner, yeah, I care that my people are showing up on time, but I care way more that when they call that they're not hanging up pissed off at me. That's way more important. And so we started creating an you know, employee reward and incentive programs on customer satisfaction scores. Um that made far more 
dollar and cents, dollars and common sense sense to us uh, than whether or not you know they show up 30 seconds late for their shift or or so you still have to have people showing up on time but um it was it was a case of just shifting the culture shifting the yardsticks on what we actually pay you for and what we care about wow good stuff very good well, this has been a great conversation and we're, we're close to the end of our time. Uh, I've really enjoyed this. And I know that, you know, we had touched on a couple of the value added things that you bring to your clients um, in terms of, you know, helping them reduce operating costs and also that uh, the idea of being able to help them pay their employees immediately was fascinating. Um, anything that you had wanted to share today that we haven't had a chance to touch on yet? I, I I don't think so. I, I think um, you know, the, the bad things that are going to happen to every good company. There is a way for that good company to be prepared and not be thought of as the bad company. Uh, chances are good. Uh, we could probably put that together for you and it won't even cost you anything. So it just makes sense for us. But this is what we're all about. Great. Well, thank you. Well, we're going to close out here in a moment. But before we do that, I want to invite you to participate in something that we do at the end of every episode um, called our Rapid Fire Questions. <laughs> um, so this is a series of seven questions. They may be a little silly. They may be a little less silly. Um, your commitment is just to give a very quick response. And our audience needs to understand that if Jeff agrees to do this. He's going to have no idea what we're going to ask. Um, so, Jeff Chatterton, are you up to the challenge of rapid fire? <laughs> Has anyone ever said no? No, thank <laughs> goodness, because I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> I would be in a crisis, Jeff. <laughs> All right, let's 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 do this. Okay. Favorite childhood game or sport? Oh, baseball. I absolutely grew up uh, a child of Toronto Blue Jays baseball on the radio. Wow. What year did the Blue Jays start? I'm trying to remember about 1977. Okay, I was going to guess 80, but uh, okay. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> um, what subject do you wish that you knew more about? Uh, I'm a really good communicator and I'm not bad at basic business principles, but if you ask me to, to uh, multiply two or three numbers together, I'd have to get out a calculator. There you go. Numbers. Favorite book. I, I, you want you want the shameless plug? My favorite book is Leaders Under Fire, written by Jeff Chatterton and available for free at leadersunderfire.com. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, person living today whom you admire the most. Oh, I need to make sure he's even still alive. Uh, 100% Tenzing Norgay. Um, do you know who Tenzing Norgay is? It's ringing a bell, but I'm not... Yeah. So Tenzing Norgay was the second man to ever climb Mount Everest. Okay. But not only did Sir Edmund Hillary get all the fame and all the glory and the fortune, Tenzing Norgay went through all the same risk, all the same peril, all the same concern, but he climbed Mount Everest while schlepping Sir Edmund Hillary's stuff on his back because he was the Sherpa who handled all oh, the heavy wow. lifting. Wow. Good stuff. Good for Tenzing. <laughs> What was your first job? My first job was pumping gas back when we actually had people who pumped gas. Um, would you ever get or have you ever owned a motorcycle? 
I have never owned a motorcycle. Um, with my hand-eye coordination, I would be afraid of what I would do to myself if I ever did own a motorcycle. I, I think that probably is me as well. <laughs> okay, final rapid-fire question. Where did you go on your first airplane flight? Holland. Uh, wow. My my the the woman i was dating at the time um she was dutch and and her family invited me to come and and hang out with them for a few weeks on a tour of europe and uh um that was i i'm six four and i'm blonde so it i fit in well um but uh um a great place to buy shirts off the rack if you're tall and awkward <laughs> and gangly <laughs> good stuff Ah, this has been a pleasure. Uh, I've really enjoyed this. It's been very enlightening. I think our viewers and listeners are going to enjoy it. So um, tell me, um, again, another opportunity here at the end. Why would someone want to connect with you? And if they wanted to connect with you, how would they do it? So the easiest you know, thing to do, go to you know, checkmatepublicaffairs.com. Uh, if you want to just yeah, Tell me a little bit about your company and whether there's some stuff that you think you may be missing or things you could do if you're concerned about your lack of preparedness or, frankly, if you want, you know, some lower operating expenses. I mean, who doesn't love free money or, or employees who uh, want to stick around and are uh, happier to be there every day? Uh, the easiest place to do that would be to go to www.bookwithjeff.com. Book with Jeff takes you to my booking calendar and it just opens up a half hour spot. Uh, we can actually sit down face to face and tell me about your stuff. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a pushy sales guy. I tell you what we do and what, what works. Uh, I'm non-threatening, non-fattening. If it, if it's a good fit, awesome. Uh, if it's, uh, if it's not a good fit, we're, we'll part as friends. Um, that's bookwithjeff.com. If you want uh, just basic information about Checkmate Public Affairs, that's at checkmatepublicaffairs.com. And and like I said, if you want a copy of my book, uh, Leaders Under Fire, um, it's uh, it sells all day, every day on Amazon. It's an it's an Amazon bestseller on crisis communications. Um, it's a it's a quick read. It's uh, I think 153 pages. Um, uh, you can actually get it for free if you would like at leadersunderfire.com. The only thing we're going to ask for is a few bucks to handle the cost of um, shipping and packaging and printing and stuff. Fantastic. Well, this has been great. And as I started out with, if a company is going to be a, a disruptor um, in our industry, they also have to be a, a survivor. And you've given us some great information and, and ideas and very practical things uh, that folks can align with you as well in order to uh, help their businesses thrive and, and survive. Sounds good. Fantastic. I, I had a, I had a lot of fun. Um, thanks so much guys. Wow. Um, that was interesting. So I, I knew that, you know, Jeff was going to be very personable and, and a great guest. Um, but I was really surprised by how taken I was by the topic and the importance of the topic. And very cool when you think about, you know, he's teaching people how to respond to things or, or coming alongside them as a coach. But by the same token, he's also figured out how in his business to do things for them to help them pay for his services. So I thought that was pretty cool. So what was that thing he said? Trust is the engine oil. What was that? 
Yeah, trust is the oil that lubricates the engine of commerce. I wrote that one down. But. That is pretty cool um, because I, it does boil down so much to that. And, you know, I, I think he said that when he was talking about her after I had asked him about how do you get this to filter down through your entire organization because, you know, I love what they do as far as coming alongside and being a coach to help in the crisis. But, you know, that frontline customer service person doesn't have the benefit of, oh, let me make a phone call real quick and figure out what I need to tell you at this moment. Um, So I love that, you know, being able to filter that down through your entire organization, just this feeling of, hey, this company I can trust. And uh, these people are going to respond well. Yeah, and I think it applied to beyond just conflict or chaos or crisis, but that point he made that your customer is very much emotionally invested in this transaction with you, that you on the other end of the spectrum, this is your routine Tuesday you know, responsibilities. And so understanding and having that empathy and emotional awareness to you know, meet them where they are and whether you're responding to, you know, them being in crisis themselves or trying to sell them or just, you know, managing, you know, answering a, a benign question, responding with that level of empathy and intentionality, um, regardless of what the circumstances exactly are, are going to definitely put us ahead. I think that's a great takeaway for all of our listeners and viewers, actually, to think about and encourage your whole organization to think about that fact that, you know, the things that we do, the ways we respond, our our behaviors to us become routine and they're just part of the job. But for whoever that person is that you're interacting with, that's everything to them right at that moment. I mean, that, that, that is what so much is hinging on for them for some reason. And so I, I think that's an interesting takeaway for everyone to think about in their organizations and bring that back. Yeah, there's a lot of good sales takeaways in there of yeah, understanding their perspective, responding with empathy, li- looking from their perspective, the intentionality of intentionality of language. You know, there was some neurolinguistic programming there when he was talking about the famous political statements. You know, just the nuance um, that yeah, you can't you can't be responding or interacting um, just uh, on autopilot. Uh, you're not going to get the results that you want. Yeah, good stuff. So Jeff Chattered and Checkmate Public Affairs, we encourage everybody to check out the websites he gave us and uh, learn a bit more. And uh, he's got some really unique ways to help every business be better and be healthier. And yet he's helping you find cost savings and other benefits in your in your business to help pay for it. Please watch for future episodes of our podcast. Um, We have more great guests on tap. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. We love those five-star reviews. Um, Until our next episode, though, change the world for someone. We encourage you, make them smile, bring them encouragement, bring them hope. Um, Those are all some of the most powerful things that we really can do to change the world one interaction at a time. God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption. 